Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., which may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Previously, on the Old Ways Podcast. It came as fast as I could. Holy mother of God. What the hell went on in here? I understand it's going to be... job would be to uh, probably take us in, at least question us. Right now you can sew up these murders. Find the people, the missing people. Get their, uh, let their families know what happened. Might be able to prove an innocent, an innocent man sitting on death row is not guilty. And that ledger, there's some names. I would like to propose a toast to our host, Miss Lane. Hostess Miss Lane put up uh, with us muddling. Thank you very much. Thank you again for joining us. This is your keeper, Keeper Michael, with the Old Days Podcast. We have another adventure for you tonight. Another interesting show. Uh, we'll hopefully entertain you with. And we're going to start with introductions uh, to my right. This is Morgan. I play Lillian Lane, and I have no idea what we're doing this episode. We have a bunch of people in your house right now, or your apartment. So that's a... Yes, I do. You are way filled more up on people than you're used to. At the end of the table. This is Jake. I'm playing Jack Doyle, and I'm going to a party this episode. Well, it's a possibility. We'll just put it that way. I hope. Uh, to his right. This is James. I'll be playing Dr. Sigmund Tuttenbach. And uh, we are also going to a party. Oh, boy, cocktails. <laughs> and last but most certainly not least. Tiffany playing Maeve O'Shea. And um, I'm studying. You are. So when we last left our investigators, uh, they had managed through some rather epic, we'll just call it tongue work. That's the best way to say it. Uh, by Mr. Doyle, they had managed to just barely squeak away from the Juju house and the carnage they'd caused by offering the lieutenant a fair amount of uh, circumstantial evidence that he could place that situation in somebody else's hands and, and point it maybe in the direction of uh, getting the captain in trouble. They managed to get back to Lillian's apartment where they've recuperated. They've gone to their the Hotel Gerard to get their things. They found the room was trashed. They managed to secure the rest of their stuff. And they've now come back here to Miss Lane's to continue to rest and recuperate and kind of get an idea about what's next for the investigation. So I will turn the table uh, over to them. And what I'd like to know from you all is that next morning, after your dinner last session, you wake up. Give me some idea of the first few things you're going to consider doing that morning. Well, we need to get our um, clothing situation right to be seen in front yes. of fancy people. There is a store downstairs for that. Wunderbar. I will be needing to go adjourn there myself, definitely. Well, Miss Lane, there, there are stores. There is a store downstairs, yes, that would do that. But there are other sure. uh, clothiers that uh, you're not sure of the uh, relative means of your fellow compatriots, but there are other stores. Yeah, I'm going to assume I probably can't afford anything from the, the shops below. Right. We have money. We do? That we can use. 
from uh, um, Jackson Elias's uh, estate. Oh, right. Okay. The group did secure uh, through Carlton Ramsey's the, the ability to uh, place markers or receipts against the estate and have him pay for uh, the items as necessary. Although he was, um, he he did ask at the time that uh, the group simply choose to spend Jackson's estate wisely. Right. Well, I think this is a wise investment. Well, I guess I'll just go look at the shops downstairs or whatever and see how far out of my means they are, I guess. I guess really um, it all depends on what you're looking for. So just kind of a, a base rough idea. Um, if you're looking for some sort of party dress, if you're looking for some entire outfit, minus any, of course, any jewelry or anything like that, uh, you could be looking anywhere between seven to maybe twelve dollars uh, i know that doesn't sound like a ton obviously in our in our money but uh, in their money it's quite a bit I mean, you could spend up to you know hundreds of dollars potentially on luxury items obviously women's clothes are going to cost a little bit more because you're going to have all the layers uh, of clothing that they're going to have right um i'm trying to find oh okay well i have a credit rating of 30 so it's not very high no, but you have your clothes back here now. It's just that if you're looking for something to set yourself apart at uh, at the Carlisle's at the at Miss Carlisle's uh, party, then you're probably going to have to spend a little bit more. Right. Yeah. I mean, I just want to be well dressed enough, I guess, to fit in. And I don't know that my normal clothing would be nice enough i guess if that makes sense oh absolutely makes sense. Yeah, i just want to get something that you know i think would be nice enough that it fits in i don't have to you know i guess what i want to know from each one of you is are you planning on using any sort of investiture or any sort of uh, receipt that you would push towards the estate not if i don't need to because i could potentially use these clothes again further down the road or in other situations. Okay. I mean, if I don't have to. What I'll say, Miss O'Shea, is that you spend, on the entire outfit, you probably spend about $35. And that's between the dress, the shoes, all of it. Which for you, mentally, is quite a bit of money. Right. Mr. Doyle, what are your plans specifically? I will get something nice too, because it might come in handy later on in our investigation if we have to go to some other party or something nice. There's no reason. And I have the money to do so. Sure. Yeah, you have cash on hand. I, I know that. So you'll probably spend a few hundred dollars on everything. That's a new suit three-piece that's a new set of shoes that's a new hat that's everything and uh, it'll probably take them about a day or so to put it all together because you'll have to be measured for it i feel like somebody gut punched me yeah absolutely uh doctor what are your plans I also would like to get a nice three-piece, um, a nice new hat, new shoes. Mine are have seen too much wear to wear to a nice party. And I need a new cane, something elegant. Doesn't need to have a sword in it this time. I'll, I'll procure something else at another, point, at another time. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, obtaining, I guess the question is, is how, uh, how luxurious is the, is the doctor planning on are you trying to plan to spend your own money or are you going to spend uh, the estate's money? I'm going to spend the estate's money, but I'm going to be, uh, I won't go over the top with it. I'm, I'm talking like middle of the road. I'm not going to get laughed at in social circles, but the truly nouveau riche will be able to tell that I, I probably didn't spend a whole lot of money when I could have. Ah, yes. Nouveau riche. What a, what a term for these days. 
You spend, you end up all told spending about a hundred dollars. Sounds about perfect. Yeah. You spend a little bit less than Jack does in the grand scheme of things, although you haven't heard how much he spent. Um, and then your tailors basically tell you that you can come back down in the morning and they'll have all the alterations and, uh, and final fitting that they can do. That takes you both probably the better balance of the morning to situate yourself. Miss Lane, you have an ample closet of multiple evening wear, day wear, brunch, <laughs> a day at the racetrack. You have a, an outfit for everything. So you probably don't need to shop at all. You could if you wanted to. No, I'd rather spend my morning calling Lieutenant Poole. You would like to place a call to Lieutenant Poole then? Yes, well, those um, those guys are okay. shopping. Because I have IDs for him to help with the case. Um, you call Lieutenant Poole. Um, you have Hannah uh, ring the police department. Um, and then... Because a lot of times when you call the police department, they have someone call you back um, because it's not necessarily always direct. But Hannah gives you the phone and she said that they're uh, they're trying to get the call to him. And you listen, you hear the long kind of droning ring and the phone picks up. Hello? It's a deep voice. Lieutenant Poole? No, I'm sorry. The lieutenant isn't in right now. Who am I speaking with then? This is Officer Johnson. Hello, Officer Johnson. Um, do you know when Lieutenant will be back? He should be back. I mean, he was supposed to be in the day. Just he hasn't shown up yet. To add a character, that's a problem. Thank you, Officer. I will try back later on this morning or early this afternoon. Thank you. He hangs up the phone. Um, a couple of things pique your interest. Um, the officer didn't ask your name. It's good, because I wasn't going to give it. Well, true, but it's strange that they would have would have tried. They didn't try to take a message for him. Right. That's done. Uh, so you have the balance of figuring out what you're going to wear for the eclipse party. Um, you remind yourself uh, that the party it's, is supposed to be in the morning because the eclipse is happening in the morning. So you'll probably want to have something that uh, is, you know, properly set up for a uh, like a Sunday breakfast or something like that, even though it's not taking place on Sunday. Right, so I'd probably wear something pastel in color just because it's a brunch. Bright and shining. Past that midday stuff, what else is the uh, crew going to plan to do? Read. I think I'm going to take the little profile. <laughs> okay. Uh, you guys read or hang out and, and try to nurse your wounds back up. Um, Jack, if you're going to spend the balance of the day, uh, resting, I'll let you recover an additional hit point. Oh, awesome. I am going to get a hold of Ramsey though. Okay. You can call Carlton. Jack, what can I do for you? <laughs> Just so you know, we might have need of you. We may have gotten ourselves in a little bit of trouble. Oh, Jesus. What did you do? Well, there was kind of a tussle at the Juju house. That's not what it says in the paper. Oh, yeah. Well, it, okay, with a little more than a tussle. We're talking about dead bodies. The, the paper? Yeah, it hit the paper. Did you not read? No, I haven't seen the paper yet. Uh, listen, it's all over one of the inside pages. There was some sort of... Uh, Robbery gone bad, they say? Well, I talked to Lieutenant Poole, and he's taking care of it because it's connected to 
the murders. And I, we think we took care of the individual who's committed the murders or some of them. Mm. Well, that's good. Anything else good come out of it? We, we, we might've been able to, uh, find enough evidence to clear Adams. Really? Where's that at? Oh, it would have been there at the, uh, Juju house. There was IDs and personal effects for the murder, the murder victims. Yeah, that'd be uh, that'd be a clear sign that Carl that Hilton didn't have anything to do with it. And you gave all the IDs and whatnot to the lieutenant. So he has some of the IDs, but we we had taken a few of them with us before we realized what they were. We're trying to get back to him, but we really can't get a hold of Lieutenant Poole. He hasn't been in. Where are you? We're at uh, Miss Lane's apartment. Okay. Why don't you send those IDs over to me? Okay. Also, we think that we had covered some evidence that might um, point to the corruption of Captain Robeson. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I remember hearing some, just some folks around here mention uh, people don't uh, think very highly of him. Yeah, well, Lieutenant Poole has all that now. Hopefully, uh, he can do something about it. All right. Well, any concern about this stuff at the Juju house blowing back on, on you all? Oh, I do know that Robeson brought the cops around to our uh, hotel, and somebody uh, tossed our room, but I don't think it was the cops because they never got upstairs. Hmm. All right, well, maybe it's better off I start prepping things. What do you think your next move is? Well, we have a, a meeting with Erica Carlisle, and after that, we'll probably head to uh, Arkham. All right. Arkham, huh? Okay. Well, um, I guess just keep me informed, and uh, and I can do the best I can here from the office. All right. We'll send over those IDs for you. Thanks. Okay, you hang on. Uh, I'll tell Miss Lane we need to send those over to uh, Carlton Ramsey. I will have Charles do that right away. I'm assuming Charles came back from the hotel. Yeah, Charles did come back eventually. Uh, he uh, he had quite the uh, tale to tell himself. Um, he discussed his uh, concerns with you that the uh, the police were very, very interested in getting in touch with uh, with your new friends. I'm assuming Charles told them that he had no idea where they were headed. And he was just dropping them off. Charles nods and said, I said that I've never seen them before. Good man. <laughs> he, uh, he appreciates, he gives you a, a polite smile and then says, I'll, be cleaning the inside of the car out if you need anything, ma'am. Well, I do ask him if he can take those IDs over to Mr. Ramsey. Oh, absolutely. The office is the law office? Yes, please. Yes, um, if it can wait maybe uh, half an hour, I, uh, I'd like to clean the inside of the car. There's a bit of a smell developing. That is perfectly okay. Wunderbar. Good man. He takes the IDs from you and tucks them in his jacket pocket, and then heads back downstairs. Miss um, O'Shea, you were going to begin reading, right? Correct. So what you need to do for me is make what's called a reading roll. Uh, so... Um, actually, what I'll do is I will give you a pass on the reading roll because... Uh, Africa's dark sex are um, is written in English, so you don't. I mean, we know that you know how to speak English. At least we think we we think you know how to read and write English anyway. I'm not fairly sold. Certain. We could be wrong, mm-hmm. but yeah, could be. Maybe I'm fooling everybody, even though I have an intelligence of ninety and an education of seventy, but. Oh, check out the big brain on Maeve. 
Just a giant walking brain. <laughs> this must be right. She's like Brainiac. She's got the. I was picturing like Krang from the TNA- TMNT. <laughs> I was picturing Krang. I mean, as you do, right? You always picture Krang yep. just randomly. And sometimes with a sombrero on. <laughs> right. <laughs> Correct. Randomly. <laughs> Again, as you do. <laughs> you begin kind of piecing through this uh, this book written by Nigel Blackwell. And you realize that just from the initial read, uh, the, the, the initial first pages, you realize that he is explaining something terrifying and something dark. Fun times. Within the first few pages, you realize that this book is set somewhere in Africa. Um, it begins to describe in detail a landscape that you've read even in your own history books. You remember reading them in school. Um, it, it appears that he did a fair amount of direct research and direct work shadowing this group. Uh, It doesn't feel very organized. The text kind of moves all over the place. Um, There's no index. That's one of the big things. Uh, It seems to be... Is it almost like a diary of like what he did and where he went? Yeah, it's well, it has a, a bit of a diary feel. Yes, um, it seems to focus on just skimming it. It seems to focus a lot on uh, religious practices, and it it's almost like the more gruesome, the better. Uh, there's stuff in here that covers cannibalism, uh, bestiality. Uh, group um, sexual acts, orgies, all sorts of different, uh, and at this point in society, very much undercurrent uh, and rather shocking. And he begins to kind of compare and contrast these different groups who use these. Uh, There's quite a bit of credence he seems to put in their acts. He actually, he almost seems to not sympathize with them, but you almost get the sense that Nigel at one point begins to believe that these things have true value. Uh, So most of the travels take place in East Africa, specifically uh, Kenyan Crown Colony, uh, German East Africa in particular. Uh, you see some stuff in there about uh, that he travels through the Belgian Congo uh, and then West Africa, especially uh, the Niger River Basin. Okay. Uh, you could make, given your assembled books, if you'd like, you could make a library use roll against this book. That's a 31, and my library use is 80. I'd say that's pretty good. Uh, So that's a hard success. Um, Just using some of the other volumes that you have and then your own almost encyclopedic knowledge of the inside of most libraries. The book was published with a fair amount of controversy. And it's really most of the the reason why you remember Blackwell's name was because of that controversy. And it must have been six years ago or so. He died, supposedly disappeared, and he's presumed dead in, in uh, about six years ago in 1919 uh, while he was on an expedition to the Belgian Congo. Um, Blackwell's estate was contested, and that's another thing that kind of trips your uh, memory about him. Uh, so he's an explorer and an author whose estate begins to be you know, kind of pulled at and, and plucked at from various heirs who tried to compile his notes basically to make what money they could off of his estate. Now there was a lawsuit and the result of the lawsuit 
basically the the presses were stopped and on this Africa's dark sex and they were completely destroyed. And it looks like this copy that you have in your hands is could be possibly the only one, as we mentioned before. Right. Uh, because the book the book itself is placed in legal limbo at that point. Blackwell himself is not affiliated with any academic association or organization. Uh, and he also tended not to make his findings public, at least as far as uh, as you're aware. And that's what you get with just the brief skim you have uh, time for. Okay. So the day moves along. Uh, you get a chance, each one of you, if you want to read the paper, uh, you find a news story within the paper that talks about uh, a horrible and uh, shocking travesty at a Harlem antiquity shop where it appears anyway that the shop owner was murdered while trying to defend himself against three different robbers. Uh, it does name Silas and Kwane as the shop uh, owner. And it, uh, it does not mention any sort of, sort of next of kin uh, but it does say that the community around the shop is coming together to make sure that he's uh, properly buried. No mention of us whatsoever. Not a single mention of you. Fantastic. Doctor, you, uh, after getting yourself clean and uh, shaving a bit probably for the day, you notice that there is a uh, bit of a film under your left eye. Hmm. Some sort of uh, dust still there. I uh, actually, I scrape that off carefully and see if I can put it into a specimen jar. Yeah, you kind of um, hustle around a little bit and grab a couple of tools and scrape it off uh, a bit with a tool into a, a small slide and press it into a something you can hold as a specimen. It, uh, you realize that it's, it must have been left over from the other day when you, you got a bunch of dust blown in your face. Right. Uh, if this could tell me the basic makeup of that dust, then, I mean, I can possibly even use that to trace where it came from it's possible so you have some of your accoutrement with you now if you would like to take the balance of the day and i do i would like to take a, a significant amount of time doing some uh research in a, in a side room kind of closed off well i mean you have your own room <laughs> Oh yeah, Duh. yeah. I'll just use my room, keep the door closed, and work. Yeah, I would suppose medicine. That's a fair roll. Fifty-three under eighty-two. That is a success, sir. Um, it is definitely a uh, a a powdering of some type of root. Uh, some of the composition of this powder that's left over definitely came from a. Uh, a root, uh, not local, that's for sure. I uh, I go to Miss Lane and Miss O'Shea, and uh, <laughs> I, I probably a bit more intrusively than they're used to start checking them over for any of the film that I found on me to see if. Uh, okay, so which one are you going to first? Miss O'Shea first. Okay. Miss O'Shea, there's a knock at your door. Come on in. Guten Tag, Fräulein. You see her uh, nose deep in a book? Yeah, I'm not even looking up. <laughs> What's going on? Um, I would just like to give you a precursory physical examination. I am looking for some of samples of the dust that was blown onto us the other day. I found a sample on me, and I was hoping to find more samples so that I have a larger base with which to study oh okay give her just a precursory examination hair eyelids ears that kind of a thing see if i can find any in the same way i found mine 
Why don't you give me a spot hidden roll? 4,658. That is a success, sir. Okay, very good. You at one point have to lean Miss O'Shea's head forward, and you find some that has collected kind of in the shorter hairs on the back of her neck. Sample taken. Miss O'Shea, this is only slightly ticklish as he's kind of basically preening the back of your neck. It gives you a bit of the heebie-jeebies, as it were. Yeah, and I figure I'm probably squirming around like a toddler so I can continue reading my book. Don't move, Fraulein. Just excuse me. Don't move. I'm just trying to. Just one second here. You collect your sample, Doctor. Dr. Shane Fraulein. All right, the... uh... The doctor's professional molestation ends and he leaves the room. <laughs> Off to Miss Lane. I should probably, re- the doctor realizes he should probably explain this one a little more than he did with Miss O'Shea. <laughs> you approach Miss Lane. Guten Tag, Miss Lane. I have a request of you. Yes. Well, I found upon myself and upon Miss O'Shea uh, a sample of the dust that was blown upon us the other day, and I was wondering if I might check you over just precursory physical examination, you understand, to see if I could find some more of that dust. Uh, the more I have, the better sample I have to study to find out what it was. Well, while I hope I've bathed thoroughly since our pleasant experience yesterday, you can feel free to check me over. <laughs> Danke schön, hey Jack. Yes. Why don't you make me a listen roll? Oh, I make it. Oh, look at that. Wonderful. Make sure that uh, you all are checking those boxes on the sheets. That's very critical. Jack, you overhear the doctor talk about some thing that happened the other day when they got a bunch of something blown on them and it doesn't make any sense to you you have no memory of that hey um i guess i'll go into whatever room he's talking they're talking um he seems to be working with uh very small and fine tools around uh the back of miss lane's neck i overhear you talking about getting dust blown on you or something yeah we were in the cars the other day, and a man came up, and there was a moment of dust, and uh, we all fell asleep. In the car? It didn't last very long. Why, we were in the at the Juju house? Yeah. Nobody thought to mention that? Nobody thought that was weird? We were in a hurry. You described the man? I, I described the man that came up. Uh, okay. Yeah, you can go through and kind of think back in your memory relatively quickly. And uh, cross the fog. True, it is a little foggy in your memory, but the, the man himself is relatively easy to remember. Uh, he's tall. Uh, he's bald. He's a dark skin. Definitely an African man. Uh, powerful gaze. Uh, and he walked up to the car and blew some sort of dust in it. He matches the description of the uh, guy that we were told about. Yes, yes. There's also some odd dreams. Um, as far as you remember, Miss Lane, yes, but your memory of what happened is a little is admittedly a little foggy. It is possible with as profoundly as it said as it affected us it could affect the memory as well were we all in the car when we got dusted you think so yeah so jack and mr Forsyth would have been dusted too you might want to check jack for some dust as well if you'd like to check jack um go go ahead doctor That is a 19 on my, what, what am I doing? Spothead? Yeah, it's technically spothead. Under a 58. That is 
That is hard. Okay, so that's a hard, hard success. You do not find any dust on Jack at all. They are clean. Did he find any on me? He did find some on Miss Lane, yes. I have another sample for Miss Lane. Wunderbar. Two samples should be enough. Uh, Mr. For- Mr. Forsyth is uh, resting on one of the couches uh, after his wounds. Um, you're free to check him as well if you'd like. Since he's asleep, uh, yeah. <laughs> I just make sure to do it in such a way as that he doesn't wake up. Right, uh, w- which is within reason. Uh, you check him over fairly thoroughly. Man, he sleeps like the dead. Uh, you check him over relatively quickly and uh, and thoroughly, and you don't see any dust on him at all. He is clean as well. Okay. I cannot explain the what has happened, but I am trying to approach it from a medical standpoint. And medically, I need to find out what it was. Did did you have an odd dream while you were after you were dusted? Because I had like the oddest dream. I had a very strange dream. It haunts me still, actually. So yes, I do understand what you are saying. As long as we're on the same page. Miss Lane, I believe we are very much on the same page. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Jack, you're probably just slightly um, surprised that no one mentioned it. Uh, yeah, I am a little surprised. I mean, it's kind of one of those things you might want to bring up, but that's okay. Uh, whatever. Sorry, Jack. I'm still mulling over the things that happened at the Juju house. There's a lot to process. Yeah, Jack, you would notice that uh, Miss O'Shea is missing the fur that she had collected some of the items in. Okay. Unless she maybe has it, maybe she has it squirreled away in her room. You haven't seen her actually all day. Come to think of it. And the guy that dusted us, the gentleman, um, I believe also took some of the evidence with him too, or some of the things we took from the Juju house. Well, there's nothing I can do about it. I bring Miss O'Shea a plate of food too, if she doesn't seem like she's eaten while I was in there. No, it does not appear so. Um, the doctor shows back up to give you food, which um suppose works for you. You're you're nose deep in a book still. I put the plate on the book. Yeah, I will uh take it and say uh thank you as I continue <laughs> to read. You begin consuming as any voracious reader knows. Uh so what I'd like you to do uh at the end of the day is uh, if if you are if Miss O'Shea, if you're planning on reading the book, doing an initial read, uh, yeah. Then I'd like you to make me uh, an initial roll for it. Uh, a cult. Actually, go ahead and roll English for me. It's your reading roll. So it's thirty-two. Is what I rolled. So that is a hard success then. Right. Well, uh, you go deeper into this tome as you begin to uncover some of the horrific hand uh, on the spot reporting that uh, Nigel does throughout this book. Uh, his writing style is dense uh, and it ref- frequently refers to other authors and other cited work. Well, there's a couple of cryptic references that your brain has a hard time figuring out what he means. He frequently stays uh, fixated uh, on the notion that Africa, being relatively untouched by Christianity and Islam, held the keys to truth about human religion. And the way human religion plays out, he believes, even though it's gory and unwholesome and deeply shocking, he believes that uh, the 
ways that the people of ancient Africa had with their dedications to older and more deeper religious sects are the right ways, even though the presentation style and practices greatly differ from modern day. You do find as well inside a short segment about a group called the Bloody Tongue in Kenya. Uh, You see paraphernalia and symbols that are identical to what you've seen in New York City. You read of a place called the Mountain of the Black Wind, although you're not certain where that is because no location is ever given. Blackwell, though, mocks the Bloody Tongue pretty profusely. Um, He calls them a marginal group with limited knowledge. Also of interest is that the the book's spine has been broken open to a section on, uh, there's a cult in the Niger River Delta uh, that has a grisly necromantic rite, uh, and he describes it in great detail. And it's here on this page where you first read that that cult is able to raise the dead in something they call a Zambi. Z-A-M-B-I, Zambi. And they make these people their slaves, not just for rituals and rites, but they end up using them in disgusting sexual acts, almost for the pleasure of the rest of the tribe. Uh, There are a couple of quotes here that I'll give you. Beyond the, the reach of the great Abrahamic faiths, Blackwell says, Africa retains the primal truths of human society and religion. Society is raw and unformed as the landscape. The gods are known by their old names and not prettied up by any hymns and incense. It is here, in this great continent of the id, that man may truly know himself. That man as a whole is so brutal and untamed at his heart, only shocks the unlettered of those blinded by the false trapping of prison that we have built for ourselves in so-called civilization. So you get the definite sense that Blackwell's been a bit disturbed by his time following this cult of the bloody tongue around. And within the rest of the text, as your initial read goes through that day, you become a bit more disturbed. And you see the the fabrics that you're surrounded by on the bed and on the pillowcase seem to kind of deteriorate in front of your eyes. You realize that Blackwell is not just making an analogy about the way the West looks at religion, but he's making an analogy about, about the way the West looks at life in general. And that Miss Lane's trappings are only that. There's some false pretense that is put up when the basic and most important part of humanity is this quest for knowledge and it's this truth that you're going to have to find and that's when you're going to roll sanity awesome um that's a 58 my sanity is i don't think that high uh 49 the conclusion you come to is rather earth shattering um you begin to look at your your own self in a bit of a different light. You realize that many things are many things that Blackwell is talking about in this book, many things that bloody, the bloody tongue have uncovered might actually be closer to the truth of how the world actually works. You don't even remember turning the key and locking the door to the bedroom at all. You don't remember deciding to utilize the trappings of the room to set the fire. But the fire gets set. Of course, you've opened a window to make sure that you can vent, but it's clear that what needs to happen is, is that you need to get back to the old ways, the right ways. And there in the wastebasket... Your last few stitches of clothing stretched out across the bed. You begin one by one burning them because they have no relevance in your life anymore. 
So now what I'd like you to do, Miss O'Shea, is I'd like you to make an intelligence roll. Oh, okay. If she's burning stuff in her room, are we able to smell that yet? 83, my intelligence is 90. Okay. So the secret here, of course, is that this is the one roll you want to fail. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> you you definitely want to, uh, to fail this roll. So I would like you to lose 10 points of sanity. Oh, my God. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Uh, okay. You are going to pick up a bout of madness. Awesome. The wastebasket itself has made a proper fire pit. And that's exceedingly helpful for you. Um, because what you have come to the conclusion is, is that life in, in itself is ridiculous. The, the true parts of human existence really boil down to their ability to jump from situation to situation in hopes of outrunning some strange and long-lasting banal existence. Okay. And the best part about it for you is you have found in that strange and unsettling way, you have found a way to laugh and you feel this wonderful shaking laughter roll down your spine and into your stomach and it has to be the funniest thing existence that is that uh, you can remember <laughs> and so we'll add to your character sheet I believe it's pronounced uh Giliomania, which is an uncontrollable compulsion to laugh. And that'll hang out with you for a little while. Uh, so the good news, if there is any good news, uh, is that you gain two points of Cthulhu Mythos. Excellent. A fair, fair exchange for your, you know, 10 points of sanity loss. That's like having your sanity's liver pulled up. And you're going to need to kind of stay sequestered, at least for right now in this room, because this is kind of your space now. Um, and with the window open to let the smoke out, it's going to get a little colder in here. So you're going to begin, as you continue on through the day, kind of slowly... Um, consuming fabric items to keep yourself warm. Uh, so, as far as the rest of you are concerned, <laughs> uh, the day goes mostly uneventful. Say, couldn't you use your crazy and like use the actual fireplace instead of your wastebasket? Okay, says the chick that tried to set an entire basement on fire. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Doctor, you're in your room concentrating on what you need to concentrate on, the, the dust itself. Uh, it definitely seems some sort of root particulate. You can tell that the dust between you and Miss O'Shea and Miss Lane are all the same. So you find that common thread. Are you doing anything with that specifically? If I can't use it to identify, identify what it is or can i use it to identify what it is um you would probably need some sort of additional um testing supplies to test it against um so chemically speaking it's definitely some sort of uh like i mentioned it's some sort of root or some sort of pulses that or or, or uh fine powder that was made from a root it has a smell almost uh a bit like cinnamon there's a scent to it for sure. Hmm. If I had my equipment back at the back at my office, maybe. Uh, it's possible. Yeah, you have far more uh, what you would call scientific study equipment there. 
Uh, Jack, what are you doing with the balance of the day? I don't know if there's much I can do. Okay. Um, you and Miss Lane have a relatively quiet dinner. Miss O'Shea doesn't respond to any sort of calls from uh, anyone for dinner. Once the I'm done with my research, I join them for dinner. Uh, uh, Jack and Miss Lane, I mean. Yeah, you join them for dinner, Sigmund. Uh, it's a it's a roast. Someone's made a roast for the group. Uh, you you see Hannah places uh, everybody's plate down necessary and asks Miss Lane if you need anything else. I think we're good, Hannah. Thank you. After the evening meal, I actually go. Is there anything you guys want to discuss during the evening meal? Do we want to mention that we never talked to Lieutenant Poole today? I I didn't try calling him back because the IDs went to Mr. Ramsey's office. But do you think we should be concerned if he doesn't show up to work? I think we should be concerned. So maybe something to look into tomorrow? Agreed. Um, You all prepare to turn in for the night. And uh, Doctor, you're walking past... Uh, you're walking through the halls here of the apartment, and you hear a series of higher-pitched laughs. Uh, it's a it's so slow at first, and then it kind of rolls a few times. Um, I stop and listen more intently. It's co- it's coming from Miss O'Shea's room. Absolutely. Uh, go over to her door, give it a light rap. <clears throat> Fräulein O'Shea, are you okay? Just going to keep laughing. <laughs> Sigh. Okay. Um, I try to, I try the doorknob. It's locked. Wunderbar. I go get Jack. Um, okay. You go get Jack. Jack, I'm needing your help. Come with me. Come with, come with me. What's up, doctor? I take yeah. him quietly to the to the door and have him listen for himself. <laughs> the two of you hear a series of um, inspired laughs. That's unnerving. <laughs> I don't think that her door should be locked just now. Should we call a locksmith, Mister Doyle? Um. Yeah, probably. Uh, don't break my door down. Oh my gosh. Shouldn't I have keys laying around here if they're locked? <laughs> Lock on the door just real yeah. I mean, yeah, it it would make sense to both of you gentlemen that Miss Lane definitely should have a key for her door. Yeah, get Miss Lane. She probably has a key to this. Um, you stick your lockpicks. <laughs> You stick the lockpicks in the door and start fiddling with them, and then something from the inside pushes them out. <laughs> yeah, do it quickly. Um, in fact, you know what? I'll go do it. <laughs> <laughs> you're not, you're <laughs> um, Jack, you're close up to the door uh, to do the lockpicking, and you start smelling something burning other than wood. I go find Miss Lane. You go find Miss Lane. Mr. Doyle. Uh, do you have keys for your bedroom, specifically Miss O'Shea's bedroom? I'm sure I probably have some laying around. Did you find them? I don't think she's doing well. Okay. Um, I call out for Hannah. Hannah. You hear a, a moment later. Yes, Miss Lane. She walks into the room in a bit of a hustle. Is there something you need? Do you know where the keys are for the guest rooms? We need to get into Miss O'Shea's room. Of course. Of course. She goes to her hip and fishes out a set of keys. She begins walking down the hallway. Such a resourceful young lady. I like your help here. Perfect. Good job, Miss Lane. What hires? You see uh, Hannah walk down the hall and... Go to Miss O'Shea's door and knock politely. Um, Miss O'Shea? 
what, why don't you let me handle this? Well, uh, uh, of course, but um, no, uh, no offense, sir, but the lady may be indisposed. Um, it's possible, but I think it would be better if one of her uh, friends handled this. You have the doctor go in if you would like. I am her personal physician. I volunteer. Anna nods and hands you the key, doctor. And then she kind of interposes herself between you and Mr. Doyle and the doorway. Just not um, like for more than a few heartbeats, but basically long enough for the doctor to get the door open. I nod to her appreciatively and slip in to Miss O'Shea's room. Um, You slip in to... Uh, oh my God, what is going on? Um, so uh, the scene before you, doctor, is this, uh, in the corner near the open window, there is a waste basket, which seems to have some sort of rolling, uh, campfire that's been placed in it. The, the fireplace itself is out. It It's not in use. Um, you see that the fab, the, uh, the, Blankets and the sheets from the bed have been completely pulled off. And there's all sorts of uh, papers and books all over the room itself. Uh, the sheets and the blankets seem to have been stripped. They've been cut into strips where uh, they can be added to the fire. There's a kind of a rat's nest clump near uh, this wastebasket. Miss O'Shea is laughing maniacally on the other side of the room uh, with a long... A robe kind of half draped around her body and all on her face and chest down past her breasts and stomach there are what look like um ashen markings that are, have been scribbled on by fingerprints and whatever is going on she finds intensely funny uh, Miss O'Shea, Maeve, can you hear me? Fräulein, I need you to come back to me. I would assume I probably don't answer at this point. I'm probably not 100% sure of where I'm at, correct? Yeah, so, you know, about a madness is, is that it doesn't last forever. Okay. Um, so yours has been going on about, let me see here. It's actually the one thing, the length was the one thing I did not roll. So Miss O'Shea, when the doctor enters and doctor, do you shut the door behind you or do you leave it cracked or? Jack, I need you to bring me my bag. What? I need you to bring me my bag, Jack, please. And hurry. I go grab the doctor's bag. So uh, when he closes the door and you hear the click of the actual mechanic, the door hardware itself. I close it very carefully behind me. Mm-hmm. You feel like a a cloud settles in around your head. Uh, you've had, I would imagine in your time, uh, tension headaches, right? Mm-hmm. Where there are actual stress headaches, where it feels like the uh, right and left hand outer part of your vision is a bit dim because it hurts so bad. Um, that sort of kind of pile driving feeling is what you're coming out of right now. And as you look down over yourself, you realize you have no idea where you are or what has happened. Uh, And you don't have the energy physically to panic. But you are definitely distraught. You see the doctor standing there. And then you see a fire over in the corner. And like all these things start to come at you rapid fire. Yeah, I'm probably just going to fall to my knees and just be wide-eyed. Like deer in headlights. I go over and put my coat around her and basically just kind of, I can't really do much 
but hold her until she stops freaking out. She's still sort of involuntarily, with your coat around her, you can still feel her involuntarily giggling. But they come. it comes in fits and starts. Can I make a psychology roll? That was a 79 over 68, so no good. Um, she's not in a good way. <laughs> your professional opinion. You know, just kind of looking her over initially, it's definitely difficult to see or to understand how she got here. Um, but her focus seems to be on the fire in the wastebasket, which I got to tell you, uh, has done some damage to the area around here as far as the carpet goes and the, or the rug, I should say. And then the, uh, the hardwood floors. Can I slide the wastebasket slowly over into the fireplace? And with the new cane you've acquired. <sighs> Fantastic. I use my new cane to slide the wastebasket into the fireplace. <laughs> oh, God, Levi, just got this. Anyway. You slide it over. You blacken a little bit of the uh, top of the cane, but you do get it to slide over. Um, it tumbles into the fireplace and now is surrounded by brick and way less of a concern. When Jack gets back with my doctor's bag, I, uh, I, he returns. I open the door just wide enough for the bag and to show Jack an extremely concerned look. We have this. She is not okay, Jack. I will do what I can. Right. Use, use call if you need me. I will. Thank you, Jack. Uh, I'm going to give her a sedative. Sounds like an excellent idea. And, uh, we'll see if we can calm her down. Yeah. Okay. You, you, are you going to give her a big night, night needle? Uh, first a little something. We're going to start off with a little something to just take the edge off so that she can talk to me. And then we're going to fish out that while we're fishing out the night, night needle. Okay. Um, she does not appear to resist anything that you're trying to do. Although... If you're trying to get her to swallow some sort of pills or some sort of solution, she doesn't seem to even want to take the cup from you. Uh, well, I guess it's going to be the needle then. You can you can force her to drink it. Miss O'Shea, I need you to drink this, okay? I need you to drink this and then I'm going to give you a shot. It's going to help you relax and it's going to help you sleep for a while. This is for your own good, dear. I'm just going to sit there. <laughs> Probably looking at the doctor, looking at the fireplace, looking around. Oh, doctor, you do see that um, with those bits of ash, you can see her fingertips are on both hands are definitely blackened by them. Um, but when you go to give her the medicine, uh, you realize that she has, with those ashen fingertips, drawn the symbol of the bloody tongue on her forehead. I wipe it off of her forehead uh, half, well, I, before I give her the shot. I, you know, like take out my handkerchief out of my pocket and wipe her forehead with it. Okay. You give her a big shot. Night, night needle. Mr. Shea, uh, he wipes your forehead with what you feel like is a cool cloth. And it's almost like um, somebody gives you a comforting hug. And it's at this point that you're mentally able to accept that. And that leads you to have a rather emotional roller coaster in a different way where you realize what you've drawn all over yourself and you lay down into the bed with no sheets on it, but your body could care less and blackness 
comes soon after. Night, night. Uh, Doctor, this room is a disaster. It's so bad. Um, with her out, um, I call for Jack. I go over and unlock the door and make sure she's covered before I have him come in. So I go in. Jack, take her to my room. Uh, this is no fit place. She will be cold in here and there's no bedding. Take her to my room for now and put her on my bed. I will... Happened in here. I pointed the book. I think perhaps that did. Right. I'll take her to the other room. I think it was too much. Thank you, Mr. Doyle. Okay. Um, a few minutes pass, Miss Lane, and uh, you see Mr. Doyle carrying Miss O'Shea into the doctor's room. She looks like she's wrapped in a big coat. Hannah, could you go find Miss O'Shea some additional clothes to wear? I have a feeling anything that's left in her room is probably not fit for her to wear. I step back out into the hallway with Miss Lane. Close the door behind me. You, um, you come eye to eye with Hannah, who's standing there waiting. Um, okay. There are some things that our compatriot has done to the room that may require some significant repairs, and I do apologize. We will pay for it out of the out of the funds from Jackson Elias's estate, if necessary. Sure. Hannah looks at you a little strange. Let's just say that Miss O'Shea had a bout, uh, a fit, if you will. Of course, Miss Lane. She, you know, dutifully walks off. Yeah, so, Miss Lane, are you going to get a look inside that room? Let's see what we need fixed. Might as well. Well, I mean, it's it's not great, but it's also not anything worse than any of your older brothers would have done. I think all boys go through a pyro stage, and and, and some girls. I mean, they're not. They didn't normally set <laughs> things on fire, but there was that time when they were younger. Around my house, we called them uh ohs. well this is the perfect point for us to kind of call the evening to a close uh i hope you appreciated uh, miss o'shea's uh bout of madness and again well hey i mean you know (laughs) stop making the intelligence rolls and they won't happen you're just your brain will be like oh that i'm sure that's perfectly fine all the bestiality all the orgies are fine violating reality it's perfectly okay i can't help it i'm smart well see occultist gets it first but uh i want to thank you all for listening and sharing the evening experience with us Uh, we hope you are staying healthy and safe and we will see you next week bye everyone bye guys thank you so much